Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. We're about to get into our Bible study before we do, as always. Well, we have a slew of text messages to get through Good. this morning. And we have a question for our quiz. That's right. Okay. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of the life of thy vanity, which he hath given thee under the sun all the days of thy vanity, for that is thy portion in this life, and in thy labors which thou takest under the sun. Which book is that from? 0491-064-669 is the number to call. If you know which book that is from, then give us an answer and we will give you, you can either take a selection from our bargain book so you can get those points on the board and continue to work your way through the quiz. Do I need to read that whole thing again? Uh, yeah, okay, nod, okay. You're getting the nod from producer. Okay, Shell. all right, all right, all right. Because it's quite, it's an extensive paragraph of scripture right here. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of uh, the life of thy vanity, which he hath given thee under the sun all the days of thy vanity. For that is thy portion in this life and in thy labor, which thou takest under the sun. 0491-064-669. Where does that come from? I like in the Bible. Verse. King it is a good version. Well, it's actually like it is the King James version, yes. but it, it actually it's quite cute as well. And it's another one of these, you know, live joyfully with the wife of whom they love us all their days. We get it. It's Valentine's Day. Good, good job. Nice way. <laughs> <laughs> You seem to be a little bit sour about no, Valentine's stop, Day. No, stop, stop. We're not talking about it. Just move on. <laughs> all right, let's talk about virtual reality. Oh, okay, yeah, because... I because we've got that. some text messages on this, two, two opposing views. Oh, okay. Okay, so let me read the ver- first one here. The Metaverse, uh, Battle of the Mind. Most people go for it. Just another way for... Oh, by the way, I should back up and just talk, share what we were talking about. We were talking about virtual church. Yes. In the Metaverse, where uh-huh. you put on your virtual reality goggles uh-huh. and go to church. And go to church, yeah. Okay. Uh, most people go for it. Just another way for demons to come and visit. Oh, Wow. The concept sounds good and offers many possibilities, but a drop of arsenic in a clear glass of water will still kill you. In the metaverse world, you can do basically anything. The human mind doesn't go upwards. It goes morally downhill. We can only imagine where that will take you. So that's one view of it. Uh Uh, Pretty heavy view right there. Uh And, you know, when we look at other forms of technology, say, for instance, the invention of the television or the invention of the internet, Mm -hmm. We can see that the technology has certainly, if you look at it from a global perspective, led to the lowering of morals in our world. Sure. That can't be argued with. Mm-hmm. This is a new form of technology, so will it take our morals upward or downwards? So that's, that's a valid point right there. Okay, mm-hmm. All right, but let's have another look at another point. This one coming through from Darren here. It says, we're commanded to reach every tribe, nation, tongue, and people. Mm-hmm. This would be a tribe. Mm-hmm. See, metaverse people are virtual reality people. They are a tribe. How do we reach that particular demographic? Mm. Well, we reach that particular demographic by creating a virtual reality church. Yeah. I think the, I think the issue that comes in this, okay, mm-hmm. is that, like, ultimately, like, and, and we know this through, through research, and probably Darren could share on this point as well, um, is that we actually want to do what we can to get people away from screens 
and get people more towards spending time face to face together. And I feel like this has the capacity to be able to reach people, but how do we walk that line of once someone is reached, encouraging them to get into their local church? Transfer from the virtual church to the real church. That's right, because I feel like that should be the goal. You know, like I will say... This is the big question that goes through my mind is, how do you disciple a person in virtual reality? Because that that all being said, like... How do you have fellowship lunch in virtual... Virtual reality. I mean, your your your, your, um, your biblical model of evangelism, which is uh, prayer, doctrine, mm. and food, mm-hmm. from Acts chapter two. Your Acts two model of evangelism is prayer, doctrine, and food. Um, how do you do food? <laughs> yeah, um, but even like, so I know a ton of ministries that are running at the moment in the online space. Um, and yes. they're doing fantastic oh, yes. things. Absolutely. Like, and particularly and specifically, I, one of my friends is is very much involved in a. This is this is there's this there's this one. Sorry, I butted in. Go yeah, on. yeah, he did, you did, but that's yeah. nah, fine. Yeah. Uh, there's one running at the moment. I, it's called like Global United Prayer, and it's literally like at 24 hours of the day, constantly there are people praying online in a Zoom call, and each like country has a different time slot. And I have a friend who runs one of the time slots. Um, they're they're living in Australia, but they're they're Japanese, and so they run the the Japanese time slot, and they're a part of the Australian time slot as well. And it just goes twenty four hours. People from all over the world are getting together on a Zoom call constantly and praying together. And it's like, yes, this is like the maximal application of the online space and it applying to ministry. Like it's literally bringing people together to pray together for all kinds of different issues. And, and recently they did a day of pr- like prayer and fasting for China and the, the, you know, the persecution of Christians is happening over there and the further and Muslims and, Muslims, uh, and religion in general and freedom of speech and conscience and all those kinds of things and the furthering of the gospel work. And it's like amazing. Incredible. Yes. Like it's, yes. this is, this is the exact application in which we need to use for. But then I know for like for my friend and everyone else involved in that prayer call that they then end the prayer call and go and spend time in their local communities reaching people. Um, and in their local churches reaching people. And I feel like that should be the aim. And so then just completely transferring everything about church, like community coming together, all those things into the virtual space. I, I think this is potentially a very unhealthy thing because... So we can add this to our toolbox, but mm. we can't take away from what we're already doing. That's right. That's that's what I believe. And I, I believe... A little it, bit like the end.digital. Yeah, sure. We add it to the toolbox because technology in and of itself is not evil. It's that's just right. technology. That's right. It's how you use it. Now, mm. the majority of tele- television was invented. It's a piece of technology. The majority of it is to present evil. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the internet was invented. Um, there's nothing wrong with the internet, but mm. the majority of the internet presents evil. Mm. Metaverse, virtual reality has been invented. Um, the majority of it is to do to produce evil. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to use. You can use the technology for good. But there's still no substitute for face-to-face discipleship. Mm. You can't create a substitute for that. That's right. And it's like, because the same um, argument applies, like the argument that we make against like children playing video games. It's like, okay, video games, like playing video games is a hobby in and of itself is similar to a hobby of someone going and, I don't know, playing baseball or football or, uh, you know, 
paintball or whatever it may be. It's an activity that you can do in a group that isn't necessarily an occupation, but it's a it's a hobby. It's something that you do for fun. But then we discourage people from playing video games because, like, if you play too much, it can, there's, like, all these unhealthy consequences that are associated with spending large amounts of time inside looking at screens it, that don't necessarily benefit you. Yeah. And so if we put church in that space wholly and solely, then I don't think it's a benefit to people. Okay, so Bruce has this to say. He's not for virtual church. Yeah. He says it leads to laziness, oh. and God said, do not forsake the fellowship of yourselves together. Oh, Okay, so let's be honest now for a second and talk about Bruce's text here uh-huh. because we had virtual church not by virtual reality but by Zoom, Zoom. for a long time. Yeah. How lazy did we all become? I'm, I'm just gonna be I'm just gonna be I'm just gonna be honest. This is anecdotal right here. Okay, this is anecdotal. Church my church starts at ten o'clock in the morning. Uh-huh. Right? Normally I get up in the morning at yeah, around about the four thirty mark, somewhere around there, to start getting ready for breakfast radio. Uh Sabbath morning comes because you and I are Adventists, so we go to church on Saturday. So Sabbath yeah. morning comes, and church doesn't start till 10 o'clock. And normally you get up, you get ready for church. You know, we go over there for breakfast. We have breakfast with other church members, all that kind mm. of thing. And so you're kind of at church by, like, say, 9 o'clock, whatever. Church starts mm. at 10 o'clock, um, and, and, and that's the start of your day. When Zoom church was on... Bro, I was going to church without pants on. Like, I was... <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, you get up, you go to church in your underwear... <laughs> Your hair's not done. You sort of yeah. stagger out there to Zoom church, leave the camera off. Yeah. Hopefully. But then but then at the same time, like, that you're making this point, it's also like the purpose we arrive at church early and all these different things is to spend time with people and to do ministry. Yes. Which doesn't happen with virtual church, which no. was the situation that we were forced into because of COVID. And it also doesn't happen in Metaverse Church. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. You know, and, and, and the Zoom church era was an era of, you know, people having breakfast while they were doing church. That's so true. Like eating, so it, eating it, through it the created, service. Yeah. It created so much. This is my anecdotal evidence from uh, myself. Mm-hmm. Zoom church does lead to a lot of laziness. It does. Mm. And it's it's just and and then when real church starts back up again, it's like oh we've got to get up on Saturday morning. Oh we've got to yeah. we've got to have a shower. We've got to have a ha, have our you know get this ready and that ready and mm-hmm. the other ready. And suddenly we're rushing off to church again um, and trying not to to run late. So this is a really interesting. Um, this is a tool. Mm-hmm. It's a tool you put in your shed, but your shed is not complete with one tool. That's right. You need lots of tools. You ultimately need God. Like I, I feel like that's the thing is that we, we need to be really spirit-led in the ministry that we're doing. And if the spirit leads us to minister on the metaverse, well, then... Freco says this. He says the, net, the internet has destroyed human contact as well as conversation and is not getting better as we slip away into our own little space. It's true. Anecdotally, I can tell you that's a fact. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's. Oh, we only just got started on our text messages. We're halfway through our Bible study, but these are good things to talk about. We need to talk about them. Mm. Okay, so let's see here. Um, oh, on old things. Uh huh. You had the world's oldest living tortoise. tortoise. The world's oldest living animal. Well, there's a type of shark that will live over 272 years. The Greenland shark. Really. And a tube worm that lives to 300 plus. <sighs> name name one. 
What are their names? Yeah. <laughs> Where's okay. their record, huh? Have we, have we, actually, have we actually documented this? Was, yeah, there a tube yeah, worm, yeah. was there a tube worm discovered 300 years ago that's still alive? That's right. I don't, that's they don't have the record. That's super interesting. <laughs> I need to look this up and research. I'm gonna, after the show, I'm going to find out about this. Uh, the in, evangelism in India would... Okay, this is interesting. Because we talked about, you know, during Voice of the Martyrs, mm. we talked about some pretty wild places in our world. Mm. Would we be willing to go and do evangelism there? You know, think about it, Lawson. Last uh, a couple of years ago, you and I went to Ethiopia and did evangelism in Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Would you go to India right now? Do you want to? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah let's go. Faith, right. Faith of M India trip. That I'm not even joking. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm keen. If we can okay. set something up, right, there you go. <laughs> let's, let's, let's. I think we might have to wait another month or two, but we'll yeah, okay. Again. All right. Uh, huge increase of attacks on Christians there and the government turns a blind eye on many occasions hate of Christ is increasing daily worldwide Um, then this one here says Graham Hood God bless him easily over half a million plus at the rally lots of evangelism good going on there behind the scenes I sent 600 Bibles down to that rally and they gave them out on Saturday morning they ran out by lunchtime Mm. that's a lot of Bibles to hand out (laughs) yeah uh, people are very willing to accept our publications. We were talking to a sister that just came back from the rally. She was over the moon over the peaceful event. The news reported only 10,000 at the rally. Uh, don't they realise that statements like that make them look foolish? As the saying goes, mm. you can fool most of the people most of the time, but you can't fool them all of the time. Um, so, yeah, there is this thing called social media or citizen media right now, so you can see photos mm. of... If you want to make your own estimate on how many people there were there, go look at the photos. I have no idea. Mm. Um, I wonder if it's even possible in Australia for a minority party to win the elections. It's truly a time for a change. I doubt that New World Order will allow it. Um, and another one here says, going back to Canberra, there was a police report. So I heard that they claimed there were 1.2 million cars entering Canberra. They're all coming for the rally, which not all of them were. Uh, most cars would have at least a couple of people. That's two and a half million. Um and then on this one here on Voice of the Martyrs, great report. Thanks. What have you got there, Lawson? You so, uh, I looked up Canberra Rally 2022 into Google and I was like, oh, because I want to see pictures of how big the crowd was. And what come up was a bunch of pictures of rally cars and like a, like a rally race that's yes, happening. This, in, is, this is the rally that Lawson In Canberra in June. And I was just like, where, where are the photos? Like, where are the people? <laughs> Exactly. Isn't this news? This is, this is, this is the point. <laughs> uh, I think this is the point that our texter is trying to make. That's here. right. Another one says, it's the governments of the world who have become extremists, 360 million Christians under persecution. What would governments do if it were other religious groups? Well, in China, you've got the example of 3 million Uyghurs that mm. are in concentration camps, so you can see an example there. Uh, the Nazi, Nazis would be proud of today's media marketing of lies. God is keeping... Records and then another text says here uh, an impotent bill. Well said. So this was uh, Etienne's comments on the um, religious discrimination bill. The government preaches medical and scientific practices like it is the new religion. I believe they are trying to destroy the image of God. And it reminds me when God said not to be ashamed to speak my name. And I fear many might dumb down when it comes to speaking up for Jesus through fear. I don't think so much it's a crazy world. I think it's the world Jesus... Dis- oh, I don't, I don't think so much it's a crazy world. 
I think it's the world Jesus describes to us in Revelation. Paul is mm. a very good comment right there from Paula. Make that one uh, comment of the day. Mm. All right, those are all of our texts. I told you there was a slew of text Mate, messages. Getting through. They're just um, just pouring through this morning. So if you'd like to have your say on any of these issues, uh, please text us. We would love to hear what you have to say right now about the book of Hebrews. Yes. Let's go there. Hebrews chapter 7, week 7, chapter 7. So let's dig into Hebrews chapter 7. I am so excited to look at Hebrews chapter 7 because it takes me to one of my favorite passages in the Bible. So let's go to Hebrews 7 and, oh dear, <laughs> Lyle's Bible is like falling apart. You've got books falling out of it. That's all right. Here I got it. All right, here is let's, read go. first, okay. let's read the first uh, couple of verses. We're going back to talk about more about Melchizedek. All right, this Melchizedek was a king of the city of Salem and also priest of the God Most High. When Abraham was returning after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Then Abraham took a tenth of all he had captured in battle and gave it to Melchizedek. The name Melchizedek means king of justice, and the king of Salem means king of peace. There is no record of his father or mother or any of his ancestors, no beginning or end to his life. He remains a priest forever, resembling the son of God. We got one more text message just came through. Oh, okay. What did it say? What did it say? And it's a, and it's a very valid one. I, I wanted. I do want to comment. It says, "Guys, on Sabbath, if you don't go to church for whatever reason, we should still dress as we were going to church." I don't go to church only for fellowship, but to visit God, that oh. same God who comes to visit us at home when we can't go to church. And so when we dress nice to go to church, it's not dressing nice for each other, it's dressing nice for God. Mm. That's a really valid point right there. I do want to say this. You know, We were joking about you know, turning up to church in our underwear, and we never actually did that. Uh, we do know people that did. Uh, well, at least Shell and I never did. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it did become that bit of a, you know, the, the, the pandemic lockdown joke about, you know, um, going joke? to church. Joke? Joke to church. <laughs> yeah. You know, you look at all those cameras that are switched off and it's like, hmm. Anyway, but I, I think that's a valid point. Why do you get dressed up when you go to church? Oh, it's, you know. Is it, to, is, it, is it because that's the culture? Is that because the, the expectation? Is it because... That's how you dress when you go to see important people. Mm. Anyway, all right, let's get back to our Bible study. Producer Shell is giving me a hard time right here. We finally got to the Bible study. Let's get into it. Okay, we have this story of Melchizedek and Abraham paying tithes to Melchizedek, and we spent a fair bit of time last week talking about who Melchizedek was. Mm. So we're not going to go back and revisit that. But we are going to have a look at the story of Abraham returning tithes to Melchizedek and look at how this came about. Because this is a major theme that runs down through uh, Hebrews chapter 7. So we need mm. to look at the story of Abraham, why he is returning tithes to Melchizedek. We need to look at the story of, uh, we need to look at the concept of tithe and find out mm. what even is this about. You know, what, what are we talking about tithe? tithe what, what do you mean by tithe? Mm. Um, and how does it relate to us today? So these are a couple of, couple of the subjects that we're going to look at to give us some context so that we can actually understand what is taking place in Hebrews chapter 7. So mm. uh, let's go back to Genesis uh, chapter 14. So this is very close to the beginning of the Bible. Uh, Genesis chapter 14 is where we're going to head to, and uh, we're going to look at... 
let me see here. Actually, we're going to start in verse 13 because this story does really start in verse 13. Um, in verse th- in, sorry, in chapter 13. In chapter 13, you've got Abraham coming back from Egypt. Yes. He's been in Egypt, made a fool of himself. <laughs> Big time. He comes back from Egypt and, uh, um, and, and, and sets up his camp. And verse 5, read for us verse 5. Lot, who was travelling with Abram, had also become very wealthy with flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle, and many tents. Okay. And verse 6 as well. Verse 6, but the land could not support both Abram and Lot and all their flocks and herds of living so close together. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. At the time, Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land. Okay, so this is an interesting situation. This, is, this really forms the background to this whole story. Yes. So when you look at Abraham's family, uh, you, if you go over to chapter 14, um, you've got a fairly extensive family right here um, where the Bible says that you know he has, um, what does it say, 318 trained warriors that are a part of his family. Mm-hmm. So 318 warriors, that equates to, you know, 1,200, people in total, mm-hmm. thereabouts. That's a, that's a big group of people. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. All right. You know All right, go for it. Well, well oh. it's time for the yes. Text. quiz. Go, 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 quiz. Go, yeah, go, okay, go, go, 500 go, go. points, 500 points. We're going to get into some Bible study. What chapter number has both the first and last use of the word love? Oh, that is so interesting. Okay, so which chapter in the Bible from which, like, where, which chapter in the Bible mm-hmm. was the first time where love was used? And which chapter in the Bible is the last time that love was used? Okay, and there actually, there's actually one a- answer. Because it's the same number. Right. So if you know, 0491-064-669 is the number to call. Um, and if you call that number, you will be able to get the right answer and win our prize for this morning, which is... Oh, I don't have it up on the iPad. So I'm just going to decide. The prize is Thoughts on the Mount of Blessings by Ellen White. This is a fantastic book that goes into some of the amazing things that Jesus said while he was preaching on the Mount of Blessing. And some of those thoughts were all to do with this concept of love. So 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. And again, that question was, what chapter number has both the first and the last use of the word love? Love. Okay, so we're getting, still getting uh, some really interesting text messages about our news stories, but we're going to get to our Bible study because we have uh, spent a lot of time talking about those this morning and not a lot of time talking about our Bible study. Um, and we're here in the book of Genesis talking about the book of Hebrews. Yes. We're building a foundation for the story in Hebrews. Well, when the book of Hebrews is like, oh, Abraham and Melchizedek did such and such and blah, 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 it's like, well, where, where do those people come from? Oh, okay. So let's talk about uh, Abraham and Lot, and we're talking about the size of their families. Mm-hmm. And Abraham's family—you're looking at you know maybe twelve, fifteen hundred people thereabouts. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a big family. And when we talk about his family, we're talking about you know basically the tribe that was traveling with him yeah. as far as his servants go. He's the he was basically a nomadic tribal chieftain at this particular era. Yeah. Uh, wait, but but of which right? He wasn't related to any of them other than Lot. Well, Lot was his nephew. Uh-huh. 
And, um, and and so these are people that would have become a part of his family. Some of them would have come from Ur. Some of them would have come from Syria. Some of them would have come from Egypt, etc. Uh-huh. Um, their employees and so forth. Yes. Um, and 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 the way it worked in those days that you know you are in the employ of a uh, of this particular tribal chieftain, mm-hmm. and a tribe was not necessarily made up of people who were related together. It was people who were banded together. That's right. Okay. And so if you've got about 1,500 people in each family, that's about 3,000 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, as far as, you know, these were these guys were primarily shepherds. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of sheep. You know, it's a huge amount. And, of course, you've got to find food for all of those sheep. And not just sheep, you know, flocks and herds, so cows and cattle and donkeys and horses and, you know, goats and whatever else that they have at this particular time that they are looking after. That's a lot of water. Think about the water it's going to take mm. to, to provide for that. Uh, think, think about the sanitary conditions that that's going to require you to, you know, to, to you know, provide for. Mm. Um, and so the land was just not big enough for them. Mm. And as a result of that, because you've kind of got these two tribal chieftains, Lot and Abraham, and, and and you've got uh, people are tribalized, like, well, I belong to Lot's tribe, I belong to Abraham's tribe. Mm-hmm. So they start to fight against each other. Like, mm. no, I got to this well first, you have to wait in line. Mm. And these fights became bad and Abraham and Lot, Abraham comes to Lot and's like, we're too big. Mm. But that's easy. Let's just divide. You take your tribe, I'll have my tribe. We'll go different directions, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Okay, this is the promised land. This is the land that God has, you know, promised to us. Uh, it basically comes in two parts: the mountains and the valley. Mm. Choose, take a pick. Don't care. If you go to the valley, I'll go to the mountains. If you go to the mountains, I'll go to the valley. But if we divide up this way, then the boundaries are clear as to, you know, where we are and what actually is our land, so that." Mm. There's no fighting over it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, because it's kind of hard when you know a, a tribal society doesn't own land, as it has no private land ownership. That's right. They just use land that is available. And at this particular era of you know the history of God's people, they used the land that was available. When they came back after the Exodus, they moved to a you know God established a system of privately owned land, private mm. land ownership. Um, and that land became very sacred, and that ownership of that land became very sacred. Would never leave those families, mm. which is uh, fascinating when you look at that from an economic perspective, mm. uh, particularly in our world today. Okay, so that's what's happening here. And Lot chooses, the Bible says, why don't you read for us verse 11, uh, 12, and 13? Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan, and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. But the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. And, of course, the reason that Lot chose this was because the valley was incredibly fertile. So from archaeology, we know some things about the Jordan Valley today, um, that even Mm. though it is still incredibly fertile, uh, because you've got just a whole valley of rich alluvial soil, the climate back then was very, very different. So it had, you know, you've, you've got temperatures that sort of sit around the... Um, the 33-degree level, so it's very warm. Yes. And back then it had a very high rainfall. Mm-hmm. And so you get 
warm temperatures, high rainfall. We know from archaeology that the Jordan Valley used to be rainforest. Wow. And you imagine that. Um, <laughs> and, and, and so incredibly fertile, just beyond imagine. And this is why, you know, he goes down there. Of course, a lot of that was cleared land and probably cleared a lot of it himself um, to provide for his family and the, and, and, the, and the agricultural needs of his family. But it's a place that is very, very productive. Mm. However, you've got these major cities down there. There's five cities in the plain. Um, Sodom and Gomorrah were the two leading cities, with Sodom being the sort of the leader leading city. And the Bible says that these people are just like full blown evil, mm. plain, straight out evil, extremely wicked, and constantly sinned against the Lord. Yep. And as we continue on to read the story, we find out, you know, there's a there's a there's a crime that is named after these people, you know, what. <laughs> <laughs> Three and a half thousand years later. Yeah. Um, we talk about which this. describes something incredibly evil. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and so you know we 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 kind of understand that yeah these guys were some 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 bad people down there, and the Bible says that Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. Mm. What does that mean? Did he pitch his tent where he had a view of Sodom? Because what we find out is that sooner or later he actually moves in. Mm. He moves into town. He's living in the city of Sodom. Now, as an agricultural person, obviously, you know, I guess he's still got a lot of stuff going on in the plain. I don't know what's going on here. But he and his family have moved into the city of Sodom. These were not big cities back in those days. Mm. Um, Not like, you know, we call a city. They were, you know, more like a... uh, a fortress. Mm. But, yeah, he moves in there and it does not go well. He maintains his integrity, the Bible says, that he was a righteous man and that his righteous spirit was vexed by the evil of Sodom. Now, here's what we're going to do. It goes badly because these guys get invaded and that's always badly for a settled people in a settled city. And we're going to find out about that tomorrow because it brings us to the story of Melchizedek and the story of Tithe. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. There you go. So good stuff. Um, but right now, oh, hey, we're going we're gonna to do question of the day. But before we do it, we're going to give away some answers for the quiz. For 100, uh, the answer was first loved us. Um, how many times did Peter ask uh, Jesus if he loved him? Three. Um, the, for 300 points, uh, for thy love is better than what? Wine. Amen. Uh, 400 points. We had this epic passage from the book of Ecclesiastes. That was the answer all about love. And for 500 points, okay, I was informed that I might have not given this question correctly and it might have been very hard. Uh, but essentially, the, the end, the number at the end, like the, the answer we're looking for was 22 because in Genesis 22 and Revelation 22, that's the first and last time the word love is mentioned in the Bible. There you go. So, um, right now, it is time for Question of the Day. All right, the question of the day is, in Judges chapter 10, after 45 years of peace, the Israelites began to worship false gods. Why? Um, at least this time uh, afterwards, their actions backed uh, up their words when they repented. 
But after 18 years, why such long time frames? Were their lives still so long that these weren't big time frames? Why did it take them so long to repent? Okay, so there's a couple of questions that come out of this. And I just mm. want to say that uh, whoever's doing a uh, study on the Book of Judges at the moment, because we've been getting a series of questions on the Book of Judges. <laughs> yeah, that's Go right. for it. It's one of my favorite books in the, oh, all of the Bible. so good. Um, so do enjoy your study and your time there. And uh, it's good to be reading all of these passages of the Bible. All right, first of all, um, how long were human beings living at this particular time in history? Okay, so if you look at the records from archaeology, we know that the average lifespan in this era of Earth's history was about 40 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, that's that's incredibly short. Of course, they didn't have the, uh, the knowledge or the technology that we have today. However, we do know that the Hebrew people were living a lot longer than that. And this is one of the ways that they were able to be a witness to the surrounding world. Because if you go to Psalms chapter 90, I think it is, in verse 10, let me, I had it right here in front of me and then I lost it. Let me just, uh, oh, here it is, here it is, and it disappeared again. All right. Psalms 90 verse, yeah, verse 10, the Bible says, well, verse 9, for all our days are passed away in your wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are 70. And if by reason of strength they are 80, yet it is their strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. And so, you know, the psalmist here talking about uh, the average lifespan of a Hebrew person was about 70 years and some would make it to 80. That's not dissimilar to what we have in Australia today. Australia, I think, has uh, possibly the, the longest average lifespan um, in the world right now, mm. uh, maybe in the top four at least. And so, yeah, we're living, we're, we're, we're averaging into our 80s at the moment and I think we all expect to make it into our 80s living here in Australia. Um And so essentially what was taking place is when you look at the Levitical system of how to live and health, the knowledge that they had was giving them a lifespan very similar to what we have today. Mm. In a world where the average lifespan was about half of that. Mm. But what that does tell us is in the time of the book of Judges, they weren't living those long lifespans of the patriarchs because God cut it off at 70 years. Mm. Um, and so it went down from you know nearly a thousand and until it plateaued at around seventy and has stayed there for people who live a biblical lifestyle. Mm. Um, then we continue on from there, and uh, there's another question here, and, and and this really comes through to okay, why did it take so long? So why were they in idolatry so long? Why were they in idolatry so long before they came under attack? Um, and why did it take them, obviously, so long to repent? And so there's there's some really valid questions here. But the first one is we've got to understand God's punish God's patience. And in First Peter three verse twenty, the Bible says that you know back at the flood, God was long suffering. He was patient. Mm. He gave them 120 years. Mm. That's a lot lot longer. Second uh, Peter three nine, the Lord is not slack concerning His promise. Promise as some men count slackness. He is patient toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so, what you're going to notice is that you know the consequences of sin are not necessarily always bang immediate. They're there. Mm. The consequences of sin will come over time because God calls and He's like, okay, there's an easy way and a hard way. Come back to me the easy way. Mm. 
when we don't come back the easy way, it's like, well, let's try the hard way because I've got no options left and I want to save as many people as I possibly can. Maybe there are still some who will respond the hard way. And that's the story of the book of Judges, people coming back to God the hard way after God has tried to bring them back the easy way. Okay, so we want to remind everybody, as you go through this day, we remind you always to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again. By his counsel's guide uphold you, with his sheep securely fold you. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.